Okay, good evening. I want to start answering these questions. On right livelihood, most of us uh, probably do not work at uh, slaughterhouses or uh, weapons manufacturers have many of us, however many of us, probably find ourselves, uh, for example, working at a manufacturer that uh, makes uh, oatmeal cereals, but makes not makes most of its uh, uh, revenue from uh, uh, sugary produce sugar sugary drinks, or as a manufacturer who has to let go of fire either someone who just had a child or someone who just uh, uh, bought a house or as a janitor <coughs> at an uh, uh, advertising firm uh, whose job it is to uh, create desire for products, etc., etc. How are we uh, complicit? Uh, what to do? <coughs> now, The way how people uh, use the revenue uh, from your work is uh, not your uh, responsibility. You have no intention to uh, do something or uh, to have to hurt somebody and uh, your intention is to do your job. Uh, while doing your job, you can have uh, the metta thoughts in your mind. You can think, well, let my work be uh, beneficial to people who uh, participate or who share or use uh, what I do, for instance, when you are working at a factory where they make cereal, uh, you just follow the orders. You cannot uh, protest and demonstrate against the the company that uh, make the product uh, while doing your job, you simply sincerely wish that uh, if there is some harmful that 
it would not be there. Uh, if any any chemical you know that is harmful, uh, since you cannot, you have no way to stop it. Uh, you at least can have your own wish that uh, may such harmful thing not be in that particular product. So you have to, you can answer your own conscience, thus doing it reluctantly because uh, perhaps you could not find another job. <coughs> another question, could a person reach jhana uh, first walk, uh, from walking meditation? Uh, if the person can uh, overcome hindrances in any posture, that person can attain jhana. While walking, if you can uh, overcome any hindrance that arises, uh, your body may be moving, uh, but at the same time you have uh, at least uh, attained the first jhana. In the attainment of the first jhana, your body uh, will not uh, be a hundred percent quiet still. Uh, but after that, uh, you, you may have to uh, settle down by sitting to attain second and third other jhanas. At least first jhana, I think you can attain while walking, <coughs> from walking meditation. I have metta, metta, metta meditation is uh, very effective for helping uh, helping alleviating mental disorders. Uh, such as uh, schizophrenia or bipolar. I have metta meditation is very effective for helping uh, alleviate mental disorders such as schizophrenia and bipolar. Can you comment on this? Uh, yes, a schizophrenic uh, person, uh, if you uh, work very closely, very mindfully, slowly finding a suitable moment, that person's moods uh, uh, change very quickly and therefore find a suitable moment. You can uh, uh, teach the person to practice metta. Uh, How do we know when we reach the first jhana? How does it feel? When you reach the first jhana, you know for sure, when you look at your mind, uh, all the hindrances are not there. Uh, 
your greed, uh, anger, restlessness and worry, sleepiness and drowsiness and doubt about the practice uh, are not there. Uh, your mind is very quiet. And also you have no inclination whatsoever to talk. You don't feel like talking. Uh, then you experience great deal of uh, uh, happiness uh, because you are uh, secluded from various kind of uh, activities uh, related to sensual pleasures and uh, your mind is free from these things. The first jhana is not a very deep uh, concentrated state of mind. There is concentration, still you can hear, you can feel and so forth, but uh, uh, you are so focused on your experience of peace and happiness that you are not interested at, at all in talking. So verbalizing stops when you attain the first jhana. So you know that you are in the first jhana. <coughs> Can you explain the difference between kindness and uh, friendliness in this context and why the difference is significant? Now, <coughs> uh, friendliness, uh, you just know that there are beings, uh, suffering beings, uh, that's, that's all you, you know, that there are beings uh, suffering. Compassion arises when you see suffering. When you see suffering beings, uh, anywhere compassion arises. So the one is without knowing their uh, specific condition, you practice metta. Other is knowing, witnessing, hearing, uh, you practice compassion. So uh, this is the difference between these two. But they are <coughs> actually related, not totally different. Related because uh, the one with metta thought in mind will naturally develop compassion, karuna. Uh, especially when one sees suffering, suffering beings. Next question, what are the characteristics of experience of uh, path and fruition? Or, in other words, how may we know whether we have attained a stage of awakening? Now, experience of path and fruition is not very clearly explained or defined in any place, especially in Abhidhamma. Uh, in sutras we find when you attain the 
uh, path stage, uh, your fetus uh, will uh, subside uh, at certain level at path stage and certain level at the fusion stage. For instance, uh, when you attain the first level of supramundane attainment, that is called stream entry, uh, your belief in the notion that your form, feeling, perception, thought, and consciousness have self. Form is in the self, self is in the form, and so forth. In a many different ways, 20 different ways are given. In these ways, you normally think that there is a self. But when you keep meditating on mindfulness meditation, you practice uh, in mindfulness meditation, one central factor is impermanence. You see impermanence, impermanence, everything. In everything you can see impermanent. Everything is permanently impermanent. You see this over and over again and again, in and out, everywhere when your mindfulness is sharp. That is the beginning of the attainment of stream entry. So I, th I interpret in this way. When you know, see, understand with wisdom that everything is impermanent, not from, from uh, uh, chemistry or physics and so forth where you can see as examples of impermanence, especially in chemistry. That is, the, that is the external theoretical understanding. Uh, understanding through lab, in laboratories also is very important. But you don't look at yourself. When you understand that yourself, in you, there is no permanent self. You realize it, experience it, comprehend it very clearly. At that moment, there is no question after that. You are on the path of stream entry. So you keep practicing again and again and again. Mindfulness meditation. Not only Samatha meditation. Mindfulness meditation is absolutely necessary for attainment of liberation. So you keep practicing it with more vigor, more courage, more effort, you keep practicing. And then your doubt about the Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha and morality will fade away. You have no scruple of doubt, slightest doubt about the Buddha's teaching because you experience it, you see it, it is undeniable truth, and so we'll have a perfect wisdom of faith in the Buddha. 
that is called avecha prasad avecha means uh, realizing understanding prasad means clarity through the realization you have the clarity still you are in the stream entry path then one day now you are keeping you keep practicing mindfulness meditation keep practicing 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 then one day you realize all these rituals that i have been following all these years thinking that they would help me to attain liberation are completely useless meaningless they have no any way to lead me to attaining liberation when you come to that level that understanding you are on the stream entry fruition stage you completed the path this is how i understand and this is how it seems working uh, otherwise some explanation is that all of them vanish disappear magically very quickly uh, by some uh, unknown moment and then i don't think that is true that is true why there are many reasons i don't have time to explain all of them there are many reasons uh, for this because buddha has very clearly mentioned atta purisa pugla eight individual persons about the sangha about the order of the sangha the buddha's closest renounced disciples are eight individuals stream entry path one who is stream entry path another is stream entry fruition second one who is on the one returners path fourth is one returners fruition stage never returners path the stage never returners fruition stage around path around fruition these are eight persons eight individuals eight individual we will never get if everything happens like this never and anyway, you know when you attend the stream entry you know don't ask anybody am i stream enterer is it just like you are having headache ask me do i have a headache you know you know you experience but that must be 100% honest sincere experience another question uh, meditation and metta practice are diff- difficult the lady have to have jobs wives husband children and uh, uh, neighbors countries and uh, mortgages and traffic jams 
with all these sources of uh, distractions and uh, uh, conflicts, is it even possible for the laity to to become an uh, advanced meditator? Do they ever master the jhanas, uh, enlightenment? Uh, enlightenment seems very by uh, vulnerable? No. Enlightenment seems even uh, un maybe unthinkable by such things. Okay. <clears throat> what is this word like? Unlikely. Ah, yes. Unlikely. Okay. So, these, uh, of course, in the Buddha's time, there were not so much traffic light, traffics. Uh, no so much uh, uh, internet, computers, cell phones, smartphones, and all these things they don't have. But even in his time, there were jobs, mortgages, not in today's time, today's ways, but uh, they, those days people borrowed and paid it back. It is very much like uh, uh, mortgage today. Uh, so forth and so forth. So many things were there, uh, not in as complicated way as today, but these were there. And yet, if you read the, in Madhyamanika, there's a sutta called Pothaliya Sutta. Uh, you can see Buddha explain to Pothaliya how a person attains these stages. Uh, in the <coughs> Kalama Sutta, I think I mentioned on, on my first Dhamma talk, he delivered the uh, talk to Kalamas, they all were lay people. He taught Mahasatipatthana, four foundations of mindfulness, to everybody. Whoever, Buddha said, whoever practices this and so forth and so on. That means we cannot expect a perfect society, perfect place, perfect time to meditate, practice metta. With all these imperfections, we practice metta. Especially imperfections are the blessings, encouragements for us to practice metta. If there are if everything is perfect, we don't need metta. We don't need meditation. Since things are not perfect, so many problems are there. We need practice, practicing metta. And therefore, it is possible with heavy traffic, paying mortgage, 
having wives and children and jobs, to practice meditation, metta, mindfulness. We can practice. Uh, if we uh, want to have excuses, we can find thousands of excuses. I ask people how many excuses you give to yourself to practice metta, practice meditation. Nobody can give any excuse to practice meditation. They have excuses not to do that. That is easiest way to evade the practice. Friends, if there is a way, if there is a will, there is a way. I think it is not impossible, though it is difficult, not impossible to practice. If all things are impermanent, is karma impermanent? Is enlightenment impermanent? Now, yes, karma is impermanent. That is why we can get rid of karma. It wears out. As we keep practicing wholesome karma, unwholesome karma wears out. It is because of the promotion of the wholesome karma, finally we attain liberation. Liberation or attainment of enlightenment is not a thing. We talk about impermanent thing. Enlightenment is not a thing. It is thingless state. And therefore, it will never be impermanent. Impermanent arises when there are things. Enlightenment is not a thing. Uh, therefore, it will not become impermanent. Another question. American uh, culture values right. Uh, human right, patients right, animals right, etc. Uh, are, are these concepts similar with metta or are they simply in commensurable, incommensurable with metta. I think it is in, it is uh, uh, similar to metta, uh, comply with metta, can go with metta, uh, because uh, uh, Everybody deserves metta, and therefore <coughs> these uh, rights. Uh, but the problem is that uh, when we think of rights, people fight for the right. That is not metta practice. We cannot fight for metta. I kill you if you don't practice metta. 
you cannot say that. Oh, I don't talk to you when I, if you don't practice metta. I don't vote to this candidate if they don't practice metta. We cannot do that. But I can take you to the court for violating my right. These are all political. A metta practice is not, not political practice. Uh, how can we uh, instigate? No. Ah, integrate. Okay. How can we integrate metta practice in American culture, which um, prefers to talk about? Uh, individual rights. You know, practicing metta does not uh, uh, adversely affect the individual individuality. In other words, we practice metta recognizing, appreciating individuality. We know individuality. So, it is uh, not uh, difficult to practice metta while recognizing individuality. You say, for example, I have been uh, writing many, no, I, I have been witnessing many animals uh, sacrificed for experimental use in the uh, name of improving human health, uh, and uh, uh, producing drugs, uh, is it more efficient to uh, advocate on animal rights with right efforts? Uh, little help to ease they are suffering, or can uh, Buddhism philosophy uh, effort offer alternative uh, perspective to improve the real world problems? Uh, As I said, we don't uh, uh, hold public rallies and uh, public meetings and so forth and so on to promote uh, metta. But we practice it individually in our own heart and mind uh, for the uh, right of uh, animals. Actually, uh, the hurting animals in any form, in any way, for any purpose, is not compatible with the metta practice. And so, people can argue human life is more valuable uh, than animals' life, so let us use 
animals for human benefit. I think it is very good if uh, uh, they are in this uh, technological period in the 21st century technology can perform miracles. So with that powerful technology the scientists should be able to make the experiments without using animals. Uh, that is my personal belief. I don't know how, but since they can do so many things these days with technology, if they spend uh, much less money uh, to find a way to produce all these human needs, including medicine, without using animals. If they have strong metta. Unfortunately, those who produce those things are not interested in metta practice. And therefore, they even don't think of any alternative to what they are doing now. This is uh, another question. Twice during this retreat, I have had this uh, sensation of tingling over my heart. At the same time, I have felt great happiness and an uncontrollable urge to smile. The area above my heart uh, is uh, as usually where I feel fear uh, constricting uh, sensation. Does this uh, uh, Should or should sound like does this sound like the feeling of metta? Uh, yes, you know that when metta feeling arises, our metta <coughs> feeling begins in our mind. And it gives the message to heart. And there we feel very strongly in our heart, uh, strong metta feeling. Uh, feeling of, uh, melt, we call melting our heart. Because it, we feel in that area. But the real beginning root of metta comes from our mind because it is mentally created state. Abhisankatang uh, abhisanchetetam, Buddha said. Metta abhisankatang abhisanchetetam. Abhisankata means uh, uh, especially uh, created, especially taught abhisanchetetam uh, with a special effort, we create this thought 
in the mind. And therefore this thought triggers the heart to feel metta. So what we experience in the practice coming primarily from the mind and secondarily feeling in the heart area. <clears throat> we have heard, next question, we have heard that the one who practices metta gives the gift of uh, uh, fearlessness to those uh, brings uh, those beings around around this the practicing metta help the uh, meditator cultivate fearlessness or uh, of uh, her or his own could you elaborate this now definitely when we practice metta Fear does not arise in us and we make others free from fear. <clears throat> when you uh, uh, practice metta in... Uh, you practice metta here. One of you practice metta here. Sitting in this meditation hall with other people. When you feel everybody on your sides, everybody behind you, everybody in front of you are your friends. Everybody around you are your friends. When you sit amidst of your friends, you feel secure, no fear. You are protected so you don't have fear. So everybody around you is your friend, so you are in the middle of them, then you are secure, you feel safe, no fear. So in your mind you feel fear, fear free from fear, and everybody else around you feel free from fear. Why? The vibration you are, you send out from your mind and body is a very friendly, cordial vibration. It is just like when you are angry, very angry, if a person sits next to you, that person will feel your anger because your vibration is very negative, hostile vibration. It is very true. I think scientifically somebody can prove it that the light produced from our our aura, our aura, color of our of our of our aura is different when we have metta from when we have anger. And I don't remember the color. Uh, I have uh, read and heard somewhere. Then they are, they have noticed experimentally they become aware of the color changing in the person's person who practices metta and uh, is it different from the color 
that emanates from the body of the person who, who has anger or hatred. So, your surrounding will feel your metta. Human, animal, that is why in among uh, the 11 benefits of metta, uh, one is manusanam piyoti, amanusanam piyoti. You will be <coughs> loved by human beings and you will be pleasant to non-human beings like animals and other uh, spirits. As I mentioned on my opening talk, when those uh, monks went to the forest and started practicing metta eight times a month, all the spirits around in the forest felt their metta. Unfriendly spirits became friendly spirits eventually because emanation. When Angulimala, when, uh, uh, Angulimala was coming to kill the Buddha with drawn sword, Buddha said metta. When Nalagiri elephant, drunkard elephant sent by Devadatta to kill the Buddha, Buddha said metta to subdue this elephant. <coughs> so, once it is very uh, well developed, cultivated, as I said, in eight ways that we practice, it can emanate from our body. Can you explain the fourth aggregate, the intention of uh, mental volitions? Volition uh, in a way is a will uh, <coughs> volition uh, in some places called karma uh, in some places called Sankara, uh, change our life. Uh, it uh, uh, makes us happy or unhappy. Uh, it can make us healthy or ill. Uh, the volitional, volition. So volitional formations is the thought that we generate in our mind. And if it is motivated by greed, hatred and delusion, volition is unwholesome. If it is motivated by non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion, it is wholesome volition. So unwholesome volition is called unwholesome karma. Wholesome volition is called wholesome karma. According to this, we speak, we act, we think. And then that volitional formations, if it happens to be 
motivated by greed, hatred and delusion, then the results will be very, very painful, very unpleasant. If the volitional formations is motivated or supported, backed by non-greed, non-hatred mean metta or non-delusion, then the results will be very pleasant, pleasing and making us happy. So, the volitional formations is a very important aggregate among all the aggregates. All of them are important. Uh, each of them uh, support one another to make our life uh, happy or unhappy. Another question. When practicing metta for myself, sometimes I feel numb. Other times uh, vulnerable or, and wounded, uh, parts of myself arise during the practice. Oh, vulnerable and wounded parts okay, of myself arise during the practice. Uh, I try to extend metta to those people, those parts of uh, myself which are calling for care and attention. Yet the teachings say the, the, there is no self. This feels uh, on uh, this feel, uh, feels confusing. Uh, how do we honor and how we honor and uh, nurture uh, wounds while still not uh, clinging to self. Okay. Now, as self is a very common uh, conventional terms we all use all the time. In uh, conventional usage of self is very, very important. It's in fact, uh, it is without that we cannot uh, communicate. So therefore it is important for that purpose. But in reality, it does not exist. In reality, it does not exist. For instance, I ask you today, what is today? Saturday, isn't it? It is Saturday? Saturday. Have you seen Saturday? Have you touched Saturday? Have you heard Saturday? Have you heard? No, but we use it. Tomorrow is Sunday, yesterday, Friday, and so on. We use these terms very conveniently and practically. 
Similarly, longitude, latitude, Capricorn, Cancers, and uh, we use them. Have you seen them? January, February, we use these names, but we have never seen them, never touched them. So how can we prove that they are there? There is no way. So the convention, the society agrees, we use, we call on this particular period of time, Saturday. So we all agree, we use it. No question. But in reality there is no Saturday, Sunday, Monday and so on. Remember this. Similarly, self is such an important term, we have to use it. But in reality it does not exist. <laughs> so, when we practice metta, we practice metta for whole being, entire being. Uh, because suffering existed entire being. Uh, suffering does not exist in the soul, which does not exist. Suffering exists, suffering also is a conventional thing, because it is impermanent. So, this impermanent thing is used for the benefit of that impermanent thing. If we understand that way, <laughs> it will be easier. Like this convention used for that convention, then there's no problem. I think uh, I would not worry about non-self, uh, or even self. <laughs> I practice metta. When practicing metta, last question it seems, when practicing metta or samatha, and I try to do vipassana at the same time, it feels uh, forced and takes me out of the meditation. Is vipassana, vipassana samatha that happens naturally via metta and samatha, or do we have to cultivate vipassana intentionally? What is the clearest, simplest, clearest and simplest way to develop vipassana? Clearest and simplest way to practice vipassana is practice vipassana. When you practice vipassana, metta evolved from that by seeing the truth. In vipassana practice, as I mentioned many, many, many times, we see impermanence. When we practice metta, we understand that even metta is impermanent. So metta comes under 
mindfulness or vipassana practice. As I said, in mindfulness we understand because of our mindfulness of suffering, we practice metta. So we have to see impermanence and suffering first to practice metta, not the other way around. So we practice mindfulness. As we practice mindfulness, we become mindful of the suffering going on all over the world. So along with that to remedy, to help, we practice metta. Now, when you practice metta, suddenly you realize that you are practicing mindfulness. Don't worry about it. Practice mindfulness. Then you will see your metta practice is naturally glides into na- metta practice naturally glides into mindfulness practice because you see suffering. <clears throat> so I think this is enough for two days answering questions. And uh, thank you for writing these questions, good questions. And I hope you continue your practice of metta and mindfulness.